Hello and welcome back to Watching Worst Film, the weekly podcast where we delve into our journey to go through the worst picture winners or losers of the Golden Raspberry Awards. Uh, I am Kyle. And I'm Jericho. This year we're heading back to 1993 to look back at the uh, winner for the 1992 Worst Picture. So just for some context, what do you know what the best picture was at the Academy Awards this year at all? Um, 92. Um, so 93 was Schindler's List, or was it? 91 was Silence of the Lambs. 92, um, I couldn't per- tell you. Per- well, it's a personal favourite of mine. It's actually one well, I wish we could have watched. Unforgiven. Uh, Unforgiven. Yeah, 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 it is. yeah, of course. So that's, um, this is where we're sitting at right now in 1993, um, at the top of the charts. We have um, famous white reggae artist Snow with his song Intruder. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're looking good. Um, any guesses this week as well? Um, what's happening in The Simpsons in March 1993? Um, is Michael Jackson on it? That's probably too, way too oh. early. <laughs> no, you are way too early. It's the last exit through Springfield where Homer becomes a union rep for the nuclear oh, power plant. Wow. A dental plan. Uh, it's braces. Wow, wow. So yes, yes. Relevant. So that's where we're at now. So that's where the cultural world is in 1993, and we are here for Shining Through from 1992, uh, which is directed by David Seltzer, who is best known for The Omen, the original film The Omen. Oh, really? And the, ni- and the 1986 uh, double Corey Bill with um, Charlie Sheen Lucas. Wow. Um, so, um, so we've got this war, this World War II drama, thriller love story um with a budget of 30 million and which it made terms, all of that back i'm assuming it, it, did. it was uh, massively profitable of, <laughs> a gross returns of 43.8 million which meant no money is made yeah when you adjust for marketing and things films needing to make twice their budgets in order to be uh in the black then yeah this was not yeah. a not a happy studio executive making film absolutely not and by all um appearances as well it is a, a personal project of the director he also did the screenplay um which was adapted from the book by susan isaacs so it's, draw- it's joining the long-standing tradition of razzie films based on novels um another yeah. one to add after mommy Do- dearest and cocktail and the, and, and the lonely on. lady and the lonely lady it just goes on and on and on uh, he also produced the film as well so it gives me the indication that this was a, a passion project of his so as always, we'll go dive right into it. What is your background with this movie? I had never heard of it. You? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and I kind of pride myself because this is this is as we're kind of into the mid nineties, where we're getting away from the shadow of the eighties, and the nineties is finally having its own identity of itself. But I pride myself on this time period, and when we've looked through ninety two, I've seen far too many of these films but shining through i've never heard of um i've never even nothing nothing about it, completely blind um even on its title alone the film wasn't what i was expecting just just knowing the title um yeah so absolutely completely blind to me um a fun game i used to like to play was like with uh with movies that you've not seen like sort of like big totemic movies if you try and like make up the plot based off the title or based off what little things you know so like um like sophie's choice i had like such a clear vision in my head of what sophie's choice would be even when i was a kid and i heard reservoir dogs 
um yeah. i was like oh that's an 18 and i can't watch it and the only reason i can't watch things is because they're scary so reservoir dogs yeah. must be about like werewolves that live in a reservoir and like oh it's gonna <laughs> be like a um so shining through could be anything with that title. i mean it, it could be a straight to dvd shining sequel it could yeah. be something about anything it could be anything um an adam sandler the- movie about a guy who polishes trophies but never oh, wins yeah. them <laughs> That was, that was actually my initial plan for an introduction was to say, welcome to 1993, the year Sandler has finally taken over SNL. <laughs> and we are, we're going onwards and upwards. But no, like, especially in this time period of what, 92, we have, we've got Schindler's List around the corner. We've got Sophie's Choice just passed. Um, and this kind of slots into that sort of... Uh, Holocaust trend, mania. Maybe. Yeah, Holocaust mania. <laughs> 100%. But it has slipped through or shown through the cracks it never it's not stayed in the public eye at all it's not stayed in any sort of relevancy no one's quoting this no one's parodying this (laughs) this is it's it's by all accounts i would say a forgotten film um yeah for for its budget its cast and size in particular exactly it's got like an a-list cast um Mm -hmm. but i'm curious to see what it's like on letterboxd because when i was logging like uh the the lonely lady or whatever there was only like 30 <laughs> reviews or something i'm um, okay. like shining through has to have more just because of its cast but like i don't know this is a good little piece of trivia for you like if anyone's like oh like name a liam neeson movie then yeah like if you're if you're doing one of those quiz things we have to go through okay. and just uh, shining through i feel thing, like yeah, yeah exactly Shining Through is a good pointless Liam Neeson movie, I, I reckon. A, a Liam Neeson Holocaust movie is still going to get the points, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, and I, I think that is a good question for our listeners because although I never seen The Lonely Lady, I, I knew about it and it's notorious, so bad, it's good quality and things like I said. And I know people that would have watched it just on that sort of like cult classic sort of way. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone, I mean, I think more people have seen, I could be wrong, but I think more people have seen The Lonely Lady than Shining Through. Interesting, um, interesting. Could be wrong. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it depends when, what people watch a movie for as well. Do you watch it for the cast or do you watch it for its infamy? You know. Yeah. If you want to watch a Liam Neeson movie, you've got like a million options. Whereas if you want to watch a Pia Zadora movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're limited. The, the window's um, smaller. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, if we're gonna let's get through this film. Why don't you lead us through some of the the plot then? Oh Jared? Christ, you're throwing that over <laughs> to me. Uh, despite me saying that, I was like, you are gonna have to carry this, Kyle, because I, I will. Am I will away with the birds. But um, well, I, well, so, I can preface it by saying as well that I ha- I paid more attention to this movie than Morbius, so I will be of okay. more use. Okay, um, it, that's did, good. it did. It did have my attention. I mean, again, spoilers. I didn't like this film. Um, I didn't have fun watching it, but it, it held my attention compared to Morbius or yeah. Transformers. Or some of the ones where I'm just dead to talk about and I, don't <laughs> I, I just can't say anything. At least, at least I have something to say so I can help burden the weight of this film for you. Share the load, Mr. Frodo. Um, yeah. <laughs> I hope um, you're <laughs> um, So uh, it starts off and it's kind of doing a Titanic thing. Um, so a Titanic's doing a shining through, actually. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, it's an homage so, to Shining Through. Um, uh, like, uh, 
So we were watching this film. We haven't done this, uh, actually. We were watching this film through less than legal means once again. We were sort of, we'd synced it up and the uh, the site wasn't working. So we missed the first couple minutes. And then at the end, I was like, I'm just going to go back. It's probably just going to be like the titles, but I'll go back and watch them. Just as as we've covered, I'm a completionist. And so I went back and watched them and I was like, oh, this is actually quite a good opening. Um, yeah, I, it, it reminded me a little bit of The Wonder, the Florence Pugh film, where she's like, which uh, we just, yeah. you've seen it. Yeah, we just, I actually just watched it a couple, literally a couple of days ago. Um, it's just, it dropped on Netflix and I, I caught it. And you know how it starts with like the warehouse film set. Yeah. Um, which is doing something, it's making a statement in The Wonder, whereas <laughs> in, uh, in shining through it just starts with like sort of like a pan round like a, a studio breaking the fourth studio, wall yeah. the artifice mm-hmm. of movie making and uh what's even her name uh linda linda okay linda is getting interviewed by the bbc the king's own british broadcasting corporation she's doing yeah. an interview on the bbc and uh as we said, it's a Titanic thing, so it's Melanie Griffith in uh, old lady makeup, um, which mm-hmm. let's just say forties to nineties, shall we say, fifty years. So she's like slightly younger. Well, she's younger than mm-hmm. she would be now. Well, I, I, because I didn't think it was all the way up to the nineties. I thought it was just based off the BBC set, like early eighties. Oh like yeah, maybe. Y- you're right. Um, you're right. So shall so we like, say, I was what, like, like 30, 30, years. thirty odd years. So like, she's probably close. And that's why I made the comment. She's probably close to Melanie Griffith's real age now. Yeah, mid sixties. Yeah, um, but it, it's very generous to call this old lady makeup as well because there's a little <laughs> bit of spotting around the neck and yeah. her hair's pulled back and that's it. It's a uh, it's, it's very little and she doesn't even even put on an old lady voice or anything it's exactly delivered how she does 30 years well previously. but anyway that's carry on in mr razzy's book that's one of the things that he criticizes her for is giving a bad old lady performance because he says yeah. that she just has the betty boop voice and there's no like yeah there's no sort of like aging to her vocal cords yeah and, which no, i i, I agree Good call, Mr. Yeah. Razzie. Yeah, um, that is that's a... Credit where credit is due, you slimy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> especially um, when you're opening... The, this is the first, like, dialogue we're hearing from our main character. So, like, I'm not... I don't I don't need to expect an, oh, Betty voice. I just expect yeah. something, maybe just a little croak or lower a decibel, anything. Um, but no, no, no. So she's given an interview to the BBC. Um, yeah. You can carry on. So before we, um, before I realized it was a Titanic thing, at first I thought it was a When Harry Met Sally thing because it's just a little, <laughs> the backdrop's kind of the same. It's like a beige brown backdrop, just a little talking head speaking about the Holocaust and her life. And <laughs> so she was like, um, we were Jewish migrants to America and it wasn't a great time no. to be Jewish. Um, but I love the movies. Folks, yeah. movie magic didn't matter. Well, that's the like, first war, the second war, all of them. I love them. Because <laughs> I, I like it that like I, that's this is what establishes this character that she's uh, half Jewish, half Irish, all dangerous, and she <laughs> loves the movies and has got 
every i mean kind of like us she has every piece of knowledge has been taken from the pictures um, so, <laughs> if so linda only, was born 50 years later <laughs> she'd be speaking in simpsons references <laughs> so um yeah so she she knows all her pop culture through this he also establishes as well that she was she, she knows german um brought up from german immigrants but she's told to speak english to not give away being a nazi sympathizer or a jew just to sort of not give away your identity yeah um, it was basically so this, it's like you're you're fucked either you're a nazi or you're the victim of the nazis and either way yeah. people aren't gonna love you so just try and distance any connection from well, like, germany which gives me the gave me the slightest bit of excitement when I was hopeful that we were going to get Melanie Griffith doing a Irish accent for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, got slightly excited, but no, no, she's she, despite being half Irish, half German Jew, she sounds straight from the uh, East Coast, I guess. Yeah, she's no, um, I don't know what, how to say it, but she's got no realistic attachment to what she is or what she's meant to be portraying um, yeah there's no cultural weight to her any no, I mean, she, no, no, no. she's like very waspish in terms yes. of like yeah yeah and um so this is kind of like establishing linda our main character um but anyway continue on and so she's speaking about the movies and then she uh gets a job working as a typist or a secretary or whatever. Yes, yeah, that's what, uh, at, what at I thought. And mm-hmm. from there, she meets Michael Douglas, who... Michael um, Douglas. Who she just, like, she outs him as a spy. Like, yeah, pretty quickly as well. <laughs> <laughs> she, well, she's seen the movies, Jericho. She knows what's going to happen, you know? <laughs> um, Like, I don't know. He... Um, he throws his hat onto, like, he throws his coat onto a stand, like, Bond or something. And she's just like, that's it. Only a spy does that. Um, and so she, like, identifies him as a spy. And then she's immediately like, I want to be a spy too. Um, yeah. Well, first they get together. They're, they quickly become romantically involved. Well, um, do they get do they get together? That I couldn't remember the chronology of like she outs him and is like, oh, I want to get with him. Or yeah, uh, from and again, I know we just watched this film, but from what I remember, outs him, they become entangled, and then his, war declared with America. Because um, I mean, this first ah, chunk of the film, the establishment is most when I was zoned out. Because once yeah. war is declared, uh, America get pulled in after Pearl Harbor. Um, Michael Douglas gets conscripted or called up or uh, yeah. I can't remember but he's involved in the war and we get the Casablanca scene I think is this around the 40 minute mark because like I was like the first 40 minutes of this film I agree with you they were absolutely interminable and I it was just like well they weren't interminable bad I was just like there's nothing here to keep me interested and then when stuff starts happening and you get a little bit of momentum, I'm like, oh, great. Now we're going, now we're cooking with well, gas. This is exactly it. So the the Casablanca scene where he's leaving for water and dumps her on the runway, <laughs> um, then just hops on, you know, he's the last one to get on the flight, whatever. Um, it caught my eye because, you know, we're, on, we're in an external set now with real planes and we're out of uh, law... Re- offices where we'd just been spending half an hour of nothing like absolutely <laughs> nothing him she was out in a bad translator spy and she, there's there's other little things that are happening in this law office world but 
the film doesn't kick in until he wants to go to war or does go to war rather um have we got the have we got the chronology of this wrong because the strudel the, the strudel comes before he breaks up with her doesn't it yes so i think i just fucking jumped right past the strudel so war is declared and do they go off together or they're sort of like he's involved in spying well, she, and yeah, she's like, well, I want to get in on this. I can speak German. You can't. I'm useful. And he's like, no, yes. war is no place for a dame. And she has to try and talk him into letting her go undercover and letting her spy for the allies. And yeah, like, no, you're, you're jumping. You're jumping ahead because that's only when he comes back with oh, the other girl. On oh, the dance. Okay. So. Apologies. So basically, he, he goes off to... I was paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes off to war and she joins the secretaries in the basement of the war effort. Yeah. And she is deciphering codes and she learns his name is Trooper, I think, his code name rather. And she's yeah. trying to track where he's going and he's behind enemy lines. And um, she admits in this scene as well that she has to move on and it's over like she can't she can't be stalking him essentially um by telegram and so she does move on like that's the point that um when she goes to a nightclub and that's like the that's when michael douglas reappears she goes to rex yes yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely (laughs) um michael douglas appears with um uh, an officer or general uh a, a lady military person yeah with him and there's awkwardness and he demands to talk to her um there's quite i quite like the little there's a little scene bit as well where um he's kind of forcing her to try and dance and the another male tries to come up and break up and you know i'm with um, melanie griffith and he's like fuck off or i'll pull your throat out <laughs> um, or i'll take your adam's apple or something um <laughs> i quite like that and she starts crying and it's it's quite quite intense for what this film is um but anyway, now that he's back in the pit, and this is kind of already the problem. This first fort, it could start here with, yeah. oh yeah, you're back from the war. I did not need to see the first 45 minutes. The first 45 minutes could be like five, ten minutes. It, it, it could be old lady Melanie Griffiths just telling me in a monologue. It's yeah. just over the credits and I'd have been fine. <laughs> I, once, I once knew a lawyer who turned out to be a spy. He went off to war, broke my heart and go. Like, yeah. Now he's reappeared in my life. Yeah. This is where she now tries to convince him to she wants to be a spy because she can speak good German, she can make the best strudel, and she's perfect, you know, like despite not being able to do anything. Well, that's what wins him around. Like she yeah, well, she runs around to his place in the middle of the night with a strudel <laughs> and like sort of shoves it in his face like, Look, this if the Gestapo Luke uh, American strudel they will like execute that woman instantly but if they look at my strudel only I can make an authentic German strudel and he's mm. like I thought he was going to bite it and we we're going to get that like him what? mulling over like god damn it I hate to admit it but she's right the woman makes a damn good strudel <laughs> but no he just kind of holds it and he's like yeah you know what you've got a point you're in yeah I don't, it's so good i don't even need to taste it i can yeah just, i can I, see I can just, uh, sensory overload just experience <laughs> we're gonna bring in the inglorious bastards thing here is like i wish there'd been like a scene like the michael fassbender thing where he does the like 
he does the what is it? The, he does the three, wrong. Yeah, the three. Yeah, three. Um, three yeah. <laughs> I want to see a scene like that where like other spies are eating in a lockup, and Christoph Waltz <laughs> comes in with his little cake fork, and he's like, "Hmm, good strudel, but you know, in American strudel." They tend to use a little bit too much cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> Klaus, Fritz, kill them. See, I seen it like the um, down in the club from Inglorious with the, that accent. You know the where is that accent from? And she's still speaking guten tagen. <laughs> this is what gets her kind of implausibly involved in the movie. I mean, you've got to suspend your disbelief this far, but now she's involved and the film's about to kick in. Um, so they smuggle her to Switzerland, I think. Um, yeah, they do. That's where they meet my favourite character in the film. Yes. And do you remember his name? Because I can't. Uh, no, I just know his code name, which is the legendary Sunflower. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. Um, and he's the one that's going to smuggle her actually into Berlin and give yes. her a new identity. So they meet the legendary Sunflower at a train station in, uh, let's just say, Zurich. And Michael Douglas is like, we're looking for like the legendary Sunflower. And Melanie Griffiths makes like eye contact with like a young guy on the platform, like a young sort of handsome <laughs> oh, yeah. guy. She's like, ooh. And then he's like, no, that's not the legendary Sunflower. That's the legendary Sunflower. <laughs> and you see John Gielgud just sort of standing, looking a bit Michael Caine-ish off to the side. Which also, as soon as I seen that, reminded me of... Um... Uh, the water boy. Uh, that's not your daddy. <laughs> that's your daddy. <laughs> um, I, I, I love the I love the comedic pan as well over to yeah. him. Um, I, I, I thought it was such a nice touch because um, this is quite a humorless film. So these little moments is what I was enjoying the most. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know. I, I like him just because the fact that he's introduced with the legendary Sunflower, that's such a good code name. And then the fact that he's played by John Gielgud, like a legendary stage actor, just, mm. <laughs> he gets nothing to do. He's barely in he gets, the film. Uh, I, um, mean, I mean, he's, he, his, his introduction, um, especially when they're on the train together and he's mortified at her accent and, yeah. oh shit, like, this is going to be harder and stuff. Like, this is where I expected the film to go much more of a spy thriller. Um, yeah. And he's going to have to be, you know, like, he's the master, she's the new one, and he's got a cover for her. She'll learn, and there's going to be a montage of practicing accent, strudels, whatever. <laughs> like, I, 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 you want your Rocky I, montage. I, well, because I, I mean, the, the poster for the film kind of spoils that I knew Michael Douglas was going to be involved a lot more. Yeah. But he didn't need to be at this point. Um, no. He could have just been the secondary cast and now the film's about to begin and we're going to get a good spy thriller. But no, like you say, John's wasted in this and it must be one of his final roles or towards the end of his life, right? Um, uh, I, it could I, be I mean, right. he, could yeah. he, could be, he could go and live for another 10 years for all I know, but um, mm. he is an, he's an older man at this time anyway. After yeah, his yeah. So Sunflower has just taken Linda over... Melanie Griffiths to go live with him and his daughter niece. Um, I've forgotten. Can you remember her name? I um. Or is it his daughter or his niece? I've forgotten already. I think it's. I think it's his niece and Marguerite. Marguerite, that's the one. That's yeah. the one. So she goes to get her new identity and um, sort of like learn what her role is going to be and how she's going to, because her goal here is to retrieve blueprints for a, a unmanned. Microfilm, sorry, that's it. Microfilm no, they are. Of they, the they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the blueprints, yeah. So she's got a small camera to take 
pictures of the blueprints for a bomb, um, an unmanned bomb, I think. I can't quite remember. Uh, and the MacGuffin of some variety. <laughs> yeah, some MacGuffin. It doesn't really matter. And then, yeah, take us away. What happens next? Oh, Christ, you've thrown me in here. Um, so I'm carrying she, this. <laughs> she, ends up, uh, she ends up in a household, in a Nazi household, and that is where she meets the dashing Oscar Schindler. Yes. And she strikes up a relationship with him. He almost outs her because he's like, that woman has not got security clearance. Um, has she? And then uh, he just kind of like that kind of like, she's like, oh no, mm. I have. And he's like, okay, cool. That's um, it. Cause it's when, he, when he's picking her up after the, so she, she botches uh, a dinner because she arrives late, undercooks yeah. the dove. The person she's staying with, um, cooking for gets mortified and fires her. She runs yeah. out the house and Liam Neeson comes out to woo her and win her over. And there is a line there where he's like, um, it's so hard to find a woman that's Gestapo approved or checked, isn't it? And she's like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really hard to find one. <laughs> the one with an American accent. Um, so that's how they sort of uh, become entwined. He lets her know that he's a widower and he has two kids and it's, Fucking hard to find a nanny for two kids. It's hard um, being an SS single father. It really is, on. isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so he invites her to become their nanny uh, for the two kids, the two English-accented kids. So that's where we're at just now. Um, but she's still she's still spying, but she can't find any. And she does search through his house as well when she's being the nanny. She's trying to find for these plans yeah. uh, for this bomb, and she can't find anything. And then is this when Michael Douglas reappears back into it? Um, I want to say so. Yeah, mm-hmm. round about now. Okay. I think. Oh, is this when he sees? Is this when he sees the the footage of her? He sees the yes, newsreel yes, back in yes, New York, and he's like, "Hang on, that's, that's my ex. <laughs> What's she yes, doing?" So, that's my spy as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so that's why he travels across. Yeah, um, yeah. And again, I, I think I'm going to get this timeline a bit messed up. Messed, messed up, but. This is when she discovers where her cousins, that her Jewish cousins that stayed behind in Berlin, which is the reason she wants to go and be a spy as well, is to find out how they're doing. Yeah. She finds down, she finds out their location through fish, um, or through a, a fishmonger. And the, yeah, I can't remember what the phrase was. Do you remember what the phrase was? Oh, the spy phrase. Uh, um, again, we've lost the chat that we used when uh, we were watching the film. Oh, what was it? Was it something it was cooking about salmon or strudel? I can't remember what their secret passphrase of like, do you have a match? Mm-hmm. No, I use a lighter. I can't remember mm-hmm. what that was, but I I can't remember what it actually was and what we just riffed, but it was yeah, some food-based. <laughs> it was something. Yeah. Um, and then there's a bit of a, I, I quite like the fun scene when she's got a fight over her fish with the secret message encoded into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that was great fun. Um but it's at this point that she does meet up with Michael Douglas again and she wants to stay to um, find her relatives. Um, and he does. He gives her, I think it's another day or a week or something. I'm not quite sure. But anyway, she goes down to her relatives, cousin's uh, hiding house place and finds it's all been destroyed. It's all been um, completely torn apart and they've been unfortunately taken away by the Nazis. So with this, so um, as soon as she finds out this and she's 
recoiling from in horror is when the bombs hit um which is my favorite scene in the whole film um yeah it's 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 really well done i mean get straight to it there's a very strange because they're at the zoo this is the con the pretense they're there for so she can take them to the relatives um she's with uh liam neeson's kids but anyway the bombs hit and they're at the zoo so you get to see a zebra a zebra running around uh, the streets of berlin while the bombs are falling um but it's, it's very bombastic it's very large scale you know like yeah. on set shooting as well there's some there, there's it's a, a good really, surreal scene it is really good it's really well done and in a different film or a different way this would have been fantastic um can't i feel like enough. i feel like i've seen or read about it before because that was a thing that actually happened wasn't it, it was like the mm-hmm. zookeeper's wife the jessica chastain film i feel like that was another like world war ii um zoo movie but I'm sure I've read articles about Berlin Zoo being bombed and all the animals just getting set free. I mean, like, yeah. Well, what'd yeah. you do? Yeah, like that's, that's it's it, but it's it's seen it, especially again, we're we're lucky to be in nineteen ninety two at this time because it looks great. Um I was gonna say ima- exactly. It's just it a film ending on celluloid with like smoke yeah, and fire. Smoke, I'm seeing uh. I'm seeing yeah, squibs and explosions <laughs> and I'm seeing I've seen crumbling, real crumbling and real... Oh, just... It's, Made it's, now, it's we'd have CGI Chris Rock running across <laughs> a green screen. <laughs> I just, like, I can... I think it's coming off the back of Morbius as well as when I'm... I'm this is what makes me enjoy the, the this film in particular is... And this is where I have to stop for some praise because the aesthetic, aesthetic's really nice. I mean, there's a lot of real locations. I can tell that they've... It's not all in Berlin, and there's obviously sound stages, but there is a lot of onset. I assume in Berlin or Germany, Poland, maybe. Um, even when the trains are pulling in, there's it's filled with extras dressed as Nazis, and this is where I get excited. This is the only time where I'm like, this is a real movie, and there's a lot of care and budget into this as well. Um, yeah, I don't want to go but, all cinema paradiso of like making my Belfast or my Once Upon a Time no, in no, Hollywood's no, no. just going to be me as a kid in the 90s going to watch like, uh, like I don't know, like uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, just like teary-eyed as I watch the <laughs> the print flicker through the projector. But I don't know, there was, I, I'm sure kids in the future, like kids now will be saying the same thing about Morbius of like, ah, you know what, they don't make them like they used to. But there well, just is something not. different when it's there shot is. on film, it, everything's tangible, and even if it's crap, there's still something well, that, going on. I think on. that's what makes it slightly, you know, like, melancholic for me, is because <laughs> there is quite a lot of care, in, especially in the executions of set pieces in this, but no one's ever going to watch them. You know, mm, like, someone yeah. might, but, like, this is, I, in my opinion, a, a for, more of a forgotten film. This doesn't happen in the lovely lonely lady. This is just <laughs> like, a, and this is overshadowed. Like I say, with the time, no one's gonna watch this over Schindler's List or Sophie's Choice or any Holocaust mania film. Um, but I think what makes it so powerful and why it's funny and in such a bad film is because the scene that immediately follows when she's taking them home, the kids home to Liam Neeson, and. The little child is, you know, oh, daddy, don't, did you forget about your basement where you keep all your secret things? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just, it's dropped in so clunkily. And he's like, oh, yes, oh, yes. Uh, oh, daddy, your secret basement downstairs with where yeah. you keep all your hidden stuff. 
and Melanie Griffiths' eyes light up because she can finally go find the plans now. It's that like immediate following of something I find impressive to just the most ham-fisted, clunky, <laughs> like preposterous. I'm like, if all the ways to find out, it's just eh, fuck it. The kid will tell them where it is. Listen, we've all been we've all been writing scripts, we've all been doing assignments, and it gets a little late in the night, and you're like. Look, okay, I just need something to happen, like placeholder. It doesn't need to be great. It just needs to be done. <laughs> uh, kid turns up and kid turns up and tells Indy where the Ark of the Covenant is. Kid turns up and says, like, oh, actually, Rosebud is the sled. So there's like, it was that kind of contrast. As well. It made it crash. Like any excitement I had while I was watching this video <laughs> just comes fucking crashing down. And then, uh, well, then we're we're on we're on the home stretch now. Well, Kyle, can because... I can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah, please do. Are you speaking German? I am Sprachenzeindeutschen. Because <laughs> you know it, it just randomly clicks back to the BBC. Like for the most part, it's just the framing narrative of once we start, we're in the we're in the story, and we don't really ever phase out. But I can't remember exactly how it happens, but. It's just suddenly interrupted with the BBC guy going like, you're speaking German. And she's yeah, like, oh, yeah. am I? And he's like, yeah, yeah, like I, you, you slipped into German. <laughs> and and there's, I forgot about that because then she delivers a classic line. Oh, it's because I remember that part in German. Yeah, um, and I, I quite think like in her, German. <laughs> I think in German, but only for this certain, certain little time period of my life. Um, <laughs> which is, it was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> And again, it's it's a weird, because then you're not using it as like a bookend. You're not Titanic. You know, I don't remember in Titanic having old lady popping in an hour and a half through the film. Yeah. Um, you, you know, use it to bookend, to like sort of frame your film. Um, I have no idea why that scene was in here. Um, I, I, I guess it was humor, but oh, whatever. Uh, I forgot about that as well. It was a <laughs> funny scene. But anyway, now yeah, we're on the we're home run. She sneaks down. She gets her photos um, of the rockets, and um, then Liam Neeson takes her to the opera, and I went out for a cigarette. <laughs> and, yeah, um, missed so the next five minutes. <laughs> you missed the most pivotal part of the movie, and so like I don't know, I was like tuning in and out um, before, but when Kyle was like, "I need to take my dog out," I was like, "Okay, right, that's it, Jericho." This is your one task. You're going to pay comprehensive attention to everything that happens here. And um, it turned out to be like a really gripping five minutes. So um, almost <laughs> as soon as you leave, she's leaving um, uh, She's leaving the uh, opera house with, with Oscar Schindler. And I feel like I have seen this film play out like a million times. Like I think this might happen in the talented Mr. Ripley as well. I think okay. he gets like busted leaving the opera house, but like the lesson, the moral of the story is: if you're undercover, never go to the opera, because I guess mm -hmm. a big thing at the opera is boxes where you're side on, and the idea is that you're not meant to be. You don't get a great view of the performance, but you get a great view of each other, and you get to be seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, if I but... if I was assassinating a president, that's where I would do. It. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when we make our film in the future, we're gonna have someone getting outed, like leaving a screening of like Spy Kids two. That's where they're <laughs> gonna be discovered. But anyway, she gets Marguerite's mother um, bumps into her and is like, "Oh hey, like it's you, like my daughter's friend." 
and Liam Neeson, Oscar Schindler, just kind of like, huh, what? What's going on here? My good mm-hmm. Aryan woman. And then I think that might actually be where um, the screen grab that is my background comes from, is they then have that like drive home where oh, yeah. she's kind of like, oh no, what am I going to do? Like suspicions have been raised. And he's like, well, how do I deal with this? Um, and so he's kind of like fiddling around with his gun, loading his gun, and then she runs away. And then we get like a weird sort of like scene where she's just running through the streets of Berlin, like trying to find a way out, basically. Like, where am I going to go? And so she runs to the house of the legendary Sunflower, thinking like, ah, like my contact, my handler, he'll help me. <laughs> and I, I saw this film a matter of hours ago. I've already forgotten it. I'm fairly sure he's in his pajamas. In my head, he's sort of in like a sort of like smoking jacket and maybe like yeah. a wee a wee winky cap. Um, <laughs> but he just sort of comes to the door and he's so casual and he's like, "What are you doing here?" And she's like, "I've been outed. Like the Nazis are gonna like kill me and torture me for information." He's like, "No, don't bring them here. Like then they'll get me." go and find somewhere else and so he just closes the door on her and she's left like running off like oh no i don't know where i'm gonna go running through the streets and you're just waiting for like liam neeson to be like uh oh linda come out to play i have a surprise for you Um, that's like because that's where i rejoined um yeah and i remember asking you is 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 neeson on the hunt for her because I've seen that film as well in my head. Uh, yeah. like, okay, great. Now, now Neeson's going to be, you know, trawling through the streets of Berlin, pistol in hand, knocking on doors, and we're going to get a nice chase or something. But no, that didn't yeah, happen. Yeah. Um, no. Our twist happens instead, I guess. Um, it, it, it was another um, it was another inglorious bastards reference for me. I was just, I wanted the shot of Liam Neeson watching her run down the street and just be like, au revoir, Linda. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she gets, she finds Marguerite and she mm-hmm. uh, takes shelter with Marguerite and uh, she's like, oh, thank God I'm safe. And then she looks at Marguerite's photos um, and again, this is another like really dumb moment of exposition where it seems like a placeholder of like, uh, like you just put it in, you're like, ah, we'll find some better way of like handling this reveal in the in the next draft. Um, but she just kind of finds a photo, like a like a like a, a photo booth photo of Marguerite with like Nazis, um, mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, like hang on, wait, why are you? And she's like, yeah. Surprise, bitch! I'm uh, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm a, a double, double agent. agent. Yeah, you. Um, but uh, but uh, does did that mean Sunflower was a double agent? No, no. Sunflower okay. was just shit. Because remember, okay, Sunflower's yeah, yeah, yeah. in it at the end again. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're um, right. So no, Sunflower just Sunflower is like brother sister. Sunflower's just like from bad blood basically, and didn't properly vet his family members. Mm-hmm. Um, it which is amazing. Like I don't know. Again, uh, we haven't really spoken about it. Trying to wean ourselves off, imagining a better film than the one we're watching. But I was like, I want, and even now, I'd kind of still be willing to see it. Maybe he'd cast Colin Firth. But I want like the years of a young Sunflower. Like yeah, yeah you yeah. make you make Sunflower like this sophisticated spy, 
and uh, I just want to see what other adventures he had. Maybe he is like a legendary spy, or maybe he's just like a complete bullshit artist where it's like, no, he never did anything, but he has this like fantastic ideal of himself. Um, I absolutely go for that. He's also a veteran of two wars, and I yeah. Like, what what was the other one? You know, my like, man, the legendary the sunflower. He, he yeah, gets around. I was like, well, um, I, 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 I sitting there, and I'm, again, I'm not I'm not seeing a World War One spy. I'm like, oh, maybe he was in the Zulu the Boer campaigns War. or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Some uh, colonialism in the 1800s. So, like, I don't know if he is as legendary as his name suggests. You kind of wonder, like, oh. Why is Marguerite, like, I don't know, maybe blood's thicker than water, but you're like, surely Marguerite would have, like, handed him over to the SS, unless she's just like, oh, my uncle's, like, well, I think he's just a blowhard. I, I, again, this is a better film than we're watching, but um, I would imagine if, if I was a Nazi spy general and I had Marguerite turned, I would yeah. not want her to... I mean, she'd tell you everything about Sunflower, but to keep her cover... You know, yeah. the US will never suspect that the niece or daughter of the most famous spy is going to be. No one's going to think James Bond Jr. is working for Spectre kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I, I, I kind of like that as well. Um, I'd have liked to seen Sunflower's reaction a lot more. Yeah. Um, again, maybe. There's, there's, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I was like, maybe the SS like didn't compromise him because they just wanted to get drinks with him and hang out and hear his stories. They were yeah. like, yeah, sure. Like, I, I, I could like, I could hand this guy off up the chain, but like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to get drinks with him every Thursday night and hear his stories about <laughs> wars he served in. <laughs> we don't have Netflix in the 40s, so no. the escapades <laughs> of the legendary Sunflower is the closest I'm going to get. <laughs> so anyway, though, as... As the with the reveal, um, Marguerite shoots Linda. Um, yeah, she collapses down. They have a little fight. Um, well, Linda, she shoots her a bunch of times. Like she takes several like bullets twice, yeah. to the chest, I think. And that's when we're like, "Well, this is it. She's a goner." Like, it's yeah, it's a good um, thing we don't see this woman as an old lady speaking to the BBC because that is certainly a <laughs> fatal gunshot. <laughs> Well, again, it's the it's the fundamental problem with having that as a bookend as well, isn't it? It takes away any yeah. any suspense that's going to be happening. There's no tension because while well, she yeah. lives, even though she's been riddled with bullets. Um, <laughs> but anyway, she's she's. They should have done the bait and switch of they're like, and yeah, and so that's how my identical twin sister died. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what she would have looked like if she did live. Um, but anyway. Yeah, so she's she's riddled with bullets. She's on the ground. She levels the playing field. She gets Marguerite's gun. They have a little wrestle. She yeah. shoots her right in the face, which I quite enjoyed. Um, yeah. It's a shame it wasn't a bit more graphic as well to have that impact. Um, <laughs> this is where we do of, want Tarantino to direct. <laughs> this is where I do. Um, I just, I don't know. There was There's something missing in there. To, to, to just make it impactful. I mean, whatever. It's, it's just point... A point blank range shot with to the face and yeah. a hair tussles all that happens but now we have a badly wounded linda who is crawls down a laundry chute escape thing i think yeah i'm, I'm again just watched it but i forgot forgot how she survives and escapes but um she does and um she, yeah point is though she's found by michael douglas 
Michael Douglas scoops her up, tries to get her away. He is at this point as well, um, forgot to mention, mute because he has a bandage around his throat. Because he Which he got German. from performing oral sex on his wife, didn't he? Exactly. Poor Ka- lucky Catherine Zeta-Jones, isn't it? Um, I'm just too good at it. It gives me cancer. So anyway, yeah, he's dealing with his throat cancer to try and get past. He tries to smuggle her through the trains. Nazis get suspicious. He shoots out, pegs it across the border, gets riddled with bullets, and falls over the finishing lines, uh, a la Cool Runnings. Um, so they make well, it to Switzerland. That was like my that was like my my favorite. I actually kind of liked the bandage as an excuse for like why he won't speak German. Is like, mm-hmm. um, uh, <laughs> Jericho mouths mutely. Um, for podcast <laughs> listeners, um, but like I actually kind of liked the bizarre like idea that like they're running towards the border of Switzerland and the Nazis are shooting at them. Uh, and they're just like, God damn it, if we don't get this man like before he like crosses that border, that's it. This is where they need Daniel Bruhl from Inglorious Bastards, like the star sniper to just like take him out because he's 100%. running to try and get across the border into Switzerland because like once we're there, we're safe because the Nazis would be committing a war crime if they shot a man across uh, well, the international border. And God they do, knows they... they don't like doing that. Yeah, they, do, they, take one, they take one shot after he makes it over the border. And yeah. then the Swiss sniper on the other side instantly goes full fucking chaotic and wipes <laughs> out the guard tower. You know, like, you don't fuck with the Swiss. We will warn you. Um, um, in I, Switzerland, I, I, so, we are good at two things. Making clocks <laughs> and killing. And we've made all the clocks that we can think of. <laughs> um, I, but I'm going back on the, the bandage around the throat annoyed the piss out of me because... Yeah. Like you're saying with the miming, it's if you had a full face burn thing on, you could just oh he's a war hero, he's he's like the mummy, just smuggle him through, you know. But because he is immaculate, I mean yeah. his hair hasn't is in perfect place. But oh no, 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 one bullet hit me right in the throat. I can't I'm out, I'm done. Oh, like, this little bat this little plaster, you know, like it's I can't do anything. And um, so I'm 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 not proud of the Nazis, but I'm proud that they noticed that and they read right through it because <laughs> Michael Douglas can do better. I'd love if he gets caught out doing the three thing of he's like, uh, okay, you know what? There are there are three of us going, he's sort of signing, being like three mm. across the border. And they're like, hang on, wait, that mute man's just used <laughs> American <laughs> sign for three. <laughs> um, so anyway, they make, they make it across the border and well, surprise. Michael Michael Douglas has also been like, riddled with bullets riddled. at this point in time um, and at that's least when, four, three good shots yeah again in the torso not limbs none of the like secondary stuff all sort of like big big wounds and this is where i said to you i was like oh this is like the titanic moment we know mm-hmm. that uh melanie griffith is alive um but like this is gonna be her jack like he's gonna like sort of push her across the border with like his last mm-hmm. like ounces of strength and he's going to give her like a nice little piece of jewelry and tell her not to let go um but no surprise we jump back to the present day where she's interviewing the bbc and she's like oh yeah no like my husband like turns out like he lived and he's here right now um and so they bring in 
Michael Douglas. With my sons as well. Yeah, with my sons, which I said to you, the sons are kind of freaky looking. Like the sons, it's a bit like the end, like the epilogue to Harry Potter, where you've got these like 20 something teenagers made to look middle aged. Whereas like Mm -hmm. these sons look off. There's just something not quite right about them. And we haven't seen them when they're younger, so there's no reason they couldn't just cast like actual forty-something actors. But it 100%. looks like they've it looks like they've done the James Dean like giant thing of like got actors and then kind of like shaved their hair to give them a receding hairline or just put like stage well, makeup on them. And I don't know if that plays into because it's you know Melanie Griffiths and Michael Douglas aged up and they didn't want to cast genuinely older actors to play their kids. <laughs> Yeah. Um, like if they thought that was going to be too strange, it's like fuck it. We'll just age up weird. Thirty. We'll age up everyone. This baby's <laughs> going to be like up. their grandson. <laughs> this baby's going to be their twenty-year-old grandson. Um, it's yeah. like The Simpsons, where it's like, why are you painting that cow? Ah, horses don't look like horses on camera. What do you do if you want something that looks like a cow? <laughs> Table a bunch of cats together. <laughs> <laughs> Very much is so. Um, yeah. And then that's it. That's the end. Yeah, um, that's it. They made it. She was a hero. She was the best strudel spy that ever existed. And yeah, that's it. That's the end. Um, so yeah, that wraps it up. Quite a, again, I feel I, I apologize, listeners, for our slightly disjointed roundups. Um, yeah. I blame Morbius and Shining Through for that. Um, yeah. But so how did you find this film? Um I didn't dislike it. I didn't like it. It was just kind of a bit of a nothing. Um like I can see how in on, on in other hands the story could have made for a compelling film. Like the book is certainly like a yeah, I can see how the book could be a good story. Um Mostly, I spent a lot of the time just in my own head trying to work out, like, how did this win the Razzie? What's going to happen mm-hmm. that's going to make this worthwhile? Is this, like, mm-hmm. is this something that just, like, is this, like, driving Miss Daisy winning the Oscar? Is this, like, a you had to be there, folks, um, mm-hmm. moment where, like, was this a hilarious box office bomb at the time? And it's just, like, I don't know, it's, like, like, like pulp fiction or whatever like in retrospect we're all gonna look at the these hilarious movies but at the time they were just kind of like eh because it, it's it's very bizarre i don't think this movie is particularly razzy worthy apart from melanie griffith really and so um i didn't dislike this movie um in fact this is probably better than a lot of the movies we've watched in a lot of regards so yeah that was kind of my experience the only thing i thought and which is slightly confirmed by mr razzy's book is he mentions it being like uh like a chick flick and i was like is this again just like the internalized misogyny of mr razzy being like this movie's like you know the movie allied with brad pitt and Mm -hmm. uh marion cotillard um Mm -hmm. it reminded me a little bit of that um, where I was like, oh, it's kind of like a romance involving spies during the war. Anyway, I was like, I can see a version of this that is that does the romance successfully and is kind of like like more of a yeah, more of a romantic story. 
and so I'm like, have they just picked this because they like hate movies that are sort of like targeted towards women? And so they're like, ha ha ha, look at this. Um, let's issue like m- much more like sort of glaring and obviously bad movies in favor of this just sort of like damp squib of a studio offering. Absolutely. Um, and that's it's kind of my echoing kind of my sentiments. Um, this is a this is the most run of the mill, yeah. mundane, average film to win a Razzie. It never has that extreme highs or lows, you know, that we kind yeah. of come to expect a little bit. Um, I didn't hate this film. I think this is a weird one because subjectively, it's not for me in any way. Um, the runtime started to kick my ass. I just got bored, and I was yeah, I was. It wasn't it wasn't for me, but objectively, there's a lot that I you know kind of praise about this film. Um, I think it's well crafted. Um, there's a lot of care in it. There's some set pieces I really like. You know, costumes are wonderful. Um, the score was fine as well. Um, very kind of reminiscent of the times. Very fitting though. And I kind of think that if you had all these elements, uh, you had the budget and the locations and costumes and the idea as well, you can really make a good film out of this. Like you're saying, there's a mm-hmm. Spy thrillers. There, I, I think that the biggest problem here throughout the whole film, other than the plot, is Melanie Griffiths. Um, yeah. She's she's pretty bad. Um, like, Her voiceover like, is really is not good. Fucking awful. Um, it's just and God bless her. Like I do think she's trying. Um, yeah. But I, I'm 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 going to say this is one of the worst lead performances I've seen in a Razi film so far. Wow. Um, Especially in relation to the rest of the film as well. I mean, Pia Zadora's not in this. You know, yeah. Bo Derek's not here. You know, these are they're competing. At, like, um, I don't think Melanie Griffith. They're in a done league of their own. In, but yeah, well, yeah. I don't. I don't think Melanie Griffith would have done any better in The Lonely Lady. Um, I don't think she would have done any better in Mommy Dearest or anything. Like, I don't. I just don't think she was up until this point. I don't think there's anything to write home about in. That's, that's the biggest problem I have with this film, apart from the plot and the weird pacing. Um, I think if you got you had an editor, you had a better, another, like you say, another draft of the script, there's something in there. But overall, it's not the worst. It's not the worst film I've seen from 1992. It's not the worst film Certainly not. that we've watched on the Razzies. Um, and I think, I think towards the end of our journey, I think we'll probably end up putting this in the middle. We'll probably forget about it, as most yeah. people have. Um, society's moved on and so will we um it is a strange choice though and other than the sort of internalized misogyny about it being a chip flick um i don't understand why this won the worst picture and the weird thing is um that it's not like it was mr razzy was alone in this like the stinker movie awards who were running before the razzies and who sort of like wrapped up in the 2000s Mm -hmm. This was their winner as well. And there's a lot of perplexing nominations that they have. But um, it is weird that both the Razzies and the Stinkers decide that this was the worst film in a year that was certainly not lacking for bad candidates. Like, if this is the worst film of the year, it must have been a pretty good year. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, I actually did the research as well before we watched it. And it's saying about, I think it's 40-41% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Which is far too high to be the 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 It's far too high, and that's it's exactly where it deserves to be, right in the middle. Like, yeah, for every nice thing I can say about this film, there's a bad thing, and vice yeah. versa. So, 
like um, it's it's the ph7 like you can calibrate your watch by like this is just like complete neutral true neutral is uh, shining through <laughs> and this is it when we were watching this about 10 minutes in is when i returned to you and said um why we could be watching stop or my mom will shoot you know yeah. um which are you a, which are I, you complaining that Mr. Razzi is being too kind to Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> the one time, the one time Stallone should absolutely win it, unquestionably, and he gets robbed. You know? <laughs> Story of his life. Story of his life, the one time. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of strange choices. Um, but yeah, it was. it's not a film I'd recommend. Um, no. And I, 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 I'm like... You know, even even the lonely lady and sort some of them cocktail and things I would recommend for watching in a group. This isn't fun. You can't. It's hard to riff on. Um, I'd I'd recommend it just because I would like more people to speak to about it because I want to like back up my own opinion. I want other people to see it so I can be like, is it just me or is this movie like like nothing? Like this movie like gets a an undue bad time. Like I want other people to watch it just so I can be like. Did you hate this? Like, did you think yeah, this was no, particularly well, that was very true. So if our, but, yeah. if our lovely listeners would give it a list, uh, give it a watch and report back, that'd be great because chime in and we'll yeah let's let's get the let's get the great debate about shining through. <laughs> the, the legendary Sunflower Fan Club can always use more members. <laughs> so uh, so Jericho, what um, other nominations did Shining Through get at this year's Razzies? Um, so, as you know, it won Worst Picture. It was nominated mm-hmm. for Worst Actor, a joint nomination for Michael Douglas with Basic Instinct and Shining Through. Um, okay. We'll speak about whether Basic Instinct was enough in the second half, but based off this, I don't think I don't think he earns it from this. Do you? I don't, um, no. And I'm not his biggest fan, if I'm being honest, but I don't think he does anything particularly wrong. Um, not right, but again, he he's kind of reflective of the movie itself for me. Where for every good thing, there's a bad thing. He's he exists, um, <laughs> but I don't I don't think it really warrants a nomination. And I'm glad it didn't win at all. Then we have uh, worst actress Melanie Griffith won for Shining Through and A Stranger Among Us. Okay. So as we sort of covered, she's the closest thing to bad objectively bad about the film yeah, uh, 100% so I, I, uh, well, I don't... well nominated well earned win in my opinion um, yeah don't don't want to dunk too hard on her but it it is bad unfortunately yeah uh, we, we can deal more with her competition but certainly just in isolation it's not as if it's an unjust winner um, no, on paper no not at all then we have uh, worst director David Seltzer one for yeah, Shining that, Through is, Oh, the winner. Okay. Yeah. Um, that surprises me a little bit um, because I don't think, I mean, because it's written, uh, adapted, produced and directed by David Seltzer. Again, I will say it's a lot, there is a lot of passion in this. If it's a direction of performances, he failed miserably, but it's still cohesive enough. Um, there's still a vision in there. So I yeah. understand the nomination, but I don't think he's a winner. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, it's too cohesive, and while not particularly successful, like, it's competent. So, um, yeah. I, I reckon there's going to be worse, um, worse nominees. And then the final nomination 
Um, worst screenplay, Shining Through, screenplay by David Seltzer, based on a novel by Susan Isaacs. Uh, this is this is a bit more understandable for me because the, the screenplay is obviously a mess. Um, mm. It's the like again, this is coming from the pacing, the the first forty five minutes, and some of the oh, true, weird. Yeah. Um, again, if if you just if you just tune in halfway through it, he doesn't deserve it. But because of yeah, a lot because of I was it, gonna, yeah. I was gonna stick up for him to be like, you know what, in a, in someone else's hands, this might have been like in Quentin Tarantino's hands, this might have been an okay like screenplay, but then I forgot about the kid exposition and I forgot about the entire first act of the film, <laughs> like screenwriting one oh one, grab them from the start, and instead we were like, we'd watch forty minutes of this film, being like, yeah. oh god. <laughs> so like, and then you know, it's also probably a reason why this has got such a bad reputation is because of those four, first forty five minutes. Yeah. Maybe Mr. Razi didn't watch the whole way through, but I assume he How did. How dare um, you <laughs> <laughs> questioning him? But no, this is this was a. This is a worthy nomination, and it could have it could have won, as well. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, the smallest fix or the smallest change you can make to make the biggest difference for this movie, um, we sort of identified it earlier on. Um, lean more into Melanie Griffiths being a movie fan, like make her us, because there is a bit <laughs> where she um, she is it when she she's like smuggling the film out or she's getting the fish and she's like she makes a movie reference where she's like ah this is just like they did in the bridges yeah. of tokeri or like mm-hmm. i wanted more like that like when michael douglas is breaking up with her i want her to be like this is just like casablanca 1942 um <laughs> well, i want her to no, see this is what casablanca hasn't come out yet this i know so she's predicting the future. <laughs> yeah, I want her to be Deadpool, or this or maybe like you can do it with Yeah, maybe you can do it with Melanie Griffiths in their BBC interview, where she's like, mm-hmm. "It was just like Casablanca." And, yeah, <laughs> um, I know. I, I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that would be my my only change is just like make her uh, make her a movie savant, um, or she is a movie savant. So just let her be. Just let her do it. Well, join us in the next part when we wrap up all the nominations and winners from this year's Golden Raspberry Awards, and we'll see you very soon. Hello and welcome back to Watch and Wars Film. We are away to wrap up and go through the 13th Golden Raspberry Awards, the winners and the nominations. Uh, hello again, Jericho. Hello, Kyle. So, first up for you, I have the other contenders, the losers from Worst Picture, uh, we had Newsies. Have you seen Newsies? Newsies. I have not seen Newsies. Um, <laughs> I've not. I've never. I've never heard of Newsies actually. So you haven't you? heard of Newsies? I've seen I don't Newsies. Think so. Newsies is the musical about the Paper Boys, starring Christian Bale. Uh, young, young Christian Bale. Yeah, yeah. It must be right. Um, uh, Post Empire of the Sun, but still like okay, sort then, of no. teen. Yeah. No, this is um, a. It's a mystery to me. Um, yeah. Wow. It's it's it it's lame is. Uh no, it's it's lame no. is, but with like Brooklyn like extra extra get your newspaper oh, okay. here. Um yeah no um I it it's actually like a really good like class solidarity um like it it it's a good like seizing the means of production movie where I'm like okay. oh like uh like um like Marxist icon Christian Bale um because the news the newsboys are sort of like getting run out of business by um robert duval who plays like a big like uh news magnate who's like speaking about william randall first all the time he's basically like 
rights free William Randall first. And then right. the news the newsies are like, hey, you know what? Like if we control the news, if like if we print the news, then like we can control it. Oh. Anyway, I like newsies. Definitely not worthy. Um, <laughs> no, that's fair enough. And this that is coming as enough. someone who doesn't really like musicals, but no, doesn't deserve its place okay, here. Very fair. Final analysis. Have you um, seen okay, that? Yeah. I, see, this is where I'm really disappointed because it's 992 and I expect it to romp through these and have so much information. <laughs> but then I get newsies and final analysis. Um, no, I've not seen final analysis. Uh, it's a ne- no, I haven't. It's a neo-noir erotic thriller. So surprise, surprise. Oh. Well, <laughs> um, the, uh, the spoilers, if they're an erotic thriller and they're on the Razzie nominations, I have not seen them. Um, <laughs> have you seen Christopher Columbus, The Discovery? Is that the one with Brando? Yes. Then yes, I have. Um, Is no, it Razzie worthy? I haven't seen it since I was a child, so I'm not going to... Or like, well, young teen. Um, no, it's not, in my opinion. Um, from what I remember. But compared to, again, this is kind of comparative to what comes out in 1992. Off the top of my head, no. Uh, it's one where, like, I don't think I've seen it, but then I'm like, oh, I may have seen, like, I feel like I might have seen, like, 45 minutes on VHS at school when, like, this is- over Christmas or whatever, when they were like, well, we want to show you a video. You're not technically studying this, but another class is, and it's the only video we have. So guess what? You're watching 40 yeah. minutes of Christopher Columbus without context. A hundred percent. And it could have been a school one for me, too, or a Channel 5 early 2000s showing i just i just have pockets of memory from it but from those pockets of memory i still don't remember it being you know offensively bad so i'm gonna give it again compared to what does come out in 1992 i'm gonna give that a pass before we go on i just want to say if i should stay i would only be in your way so i'll go but i know (laughs) i'll think of you every step of the way the next nominee is the Bodyguard. <laughs> have you seen the Bodyguard? We have we have a new introduction as well. Um, <laughs> so, the Bodyguard even less. So, um, I do vividly remember my parents watching it when I was a child. I think um, my grandparents had it on VHS. Yeah, I remember we, we, seeing yeah. it. Yeah, I um, I rem- I have it's one of these, and I'm trying to make sure it's not like seeped in through pop culture. But I I can remember it could be a false memory. But I remember sitting on a sofa watching this as a eight, nine-year-old boy. Um, I have no memory of it. Um, <laughs> I, I know the soundtrack better than the film. Yeah. Um, well, I just watched it and I like it's not it's not great. I think it's top of the nominations list for this, but um yes. I don't I don't think it's particularly um deserve it's it's another Melanie Griffiths thing where I would say certain components of it, but as a whole I don't think yeah. it deserves that reputation when there are some things about it I I, I actually quite like. Do you want? Do you just want to hit us with some of the other things that you think should have been in contention for Worst Picture? We'll deal with a lot um, of them for nominations, but... Yeah, so like, I mean, we're going to come back up to it very soon, but Stop or My Mom Will Shoot is was like the go-to one for me, where I was like, okay, True. that's, that's 92. Um, that's notoriously bad. And again, as a diehard... Stallone night. Um, I, I I hate it. Um, so and I you know like and this is where I was expecting. Um, again, I'm a questionable 
action hero fan, but Seagal came out with Under Siege, which was his Die Hard on a Boat and a huge blockbuster, uh, one of the biggest films in 92. I expected that to be here, just because it's what it is. Hellraiser 3, I spoke to you about, is awful, and I will, I will die on the Hellraiser hill, but it's a really bad film. Again, there's just this is 1992, so it's the year of um, uh, three ninjas and stuff. You know, there's a lot of guff that come out in this time as well. Um, yeah. um, the the worst film I, I can remember from 1992 that I wrote down was uh, Lawnmower Man. I fucking hate <laughs> Lawnmower Man. Um, and I like, I'd love it in a bad way, but it's, it's a so bad it's good film. It's notorious, it's infamous for how bad it is and how enjoyable it is to watch. So I was expect this is what I was kind of seeing. I'm seeing like schlockier films to be honest with you like, going through the nominations um but stop or my mom will shoot was my runaway runaway favorite um what about you i will confess i perhaps didn't do as much research as you in terms of drawing up the shortlist most of my calls we'll talk about later on as they come up for individual nominees the only other one i would say in fact i think it does come up is toys i've not seen toys in okay. its entirety but toys seems like a movie that the razzies would hate Toys, absolutely. Um, I forgot about Toys, which actually reminded me of what should have been the absolute winner is uh, Tom and Jerry the movie from 1992. Of course! <laughs> um, it is, again, it's so widely known. It's so bizarre. I'm going to make a musical and make them talk and they're best friends. And it's I, so I hate strange. It so much. <laughs> um, and I, I think what the biggest surprise is we're going to go down as well is it doesn't take any nominations. No. Which is super surprising. So I, I was expecting Stop or My Mom Will Shoot or Tom and Jerry. These are the top two. And that's a, a schlocky action comedy and a kid's film. Like, would yeah. absolutely take it away. Um, and I thought Tom and Jerry would have been a Razzie pick as well because of kind of how influential and how well-known it is. It's a, it's a good time to dunk on it. Okay, so moving on. Worst actor. We have Tom Selleck in Folks. Have, have you seen folks <laughs> i have not seen folks um have you seen folks i have not seen folks either so uh, i guess moving on jack nicholson double nom for hoffa and man trouble okay either um, of those. I, I i watched the first half of hoffa um in preparation or no just in the aftermath of the irishman the um, half of hoffa <laughs> the half of well I, I started it because nicholson um directed by danny devito and yeah. I was like, and Jimmy Hoffa, I was kind of curious after The Irishman, um, I was trying to watch a bit more media and read more about it, um, but I turned it off. <laughs> um, oh, and I don't wow. think it was Damning. such a bad film. It's just, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have watched it straight after The Irishman. Um, but Nicholson, I don't remember being that bad in it. Definitely not nomination level. But he could have been fucking awful in Man Trouble and maybe he deserved it for that, so... Maybe balances out. <laughs> then we have Michael Douglas in Basic Instinct and Shining Through. So we've covered him in Shining Through. Um, Basic yes. Instinct. I also don't. I don't think he deserves it for that. Do you? No, no, I don't. Um, you know me. I'm a very Hoven man. I don't think he deserves it for it. I think it's more the doubling up effect here because of Shining Through. It's like a, a double dunk or whatever. Um, yeah. No, he doesn't deserve it for Basic Instinct. 
Well, we'll just take this little opportunity to talk about Basic Instinct because I watched that in my preparation for like this episode because I didn't really look at the nominations and just saw that it had a few. And I, I just, I knew, I, I was also I was like, I'm going to have to watch this for Basic Instinct 2 just for my own neuroses. Yes, yes. So yeah, yeah, uh, I will, uh, yeah, I will watch it while it's relevant. And then, like, I didn't really know anything. And it came up, first thing you see, a Paul Verhoeven film. And I'm like, I'd forgotten it was Paul. We're in good hands. I was so You're excited right. as soon as I saw that like that title card. Um, and I was like, of course the Razzies would hate this. Of course yeah. they're going to hate some European pervert doing like high class like filth. But everything about Basic Instinct is like, this is what Body of Evidence was trying to be and what Body of Evidence wanted to do. But it was made by a hack, whereas Paul <laughs> Verhoeven can actually do this kind of thing. Um, yeah. And so I enjoyed this, but the, someone I want to bring up is the uh, the name. So I recognized Paul, and then it was like written by Joe Esterhass. And I was like, I've read that name on the podcast. He's been nominated <laughs> or won something. So do you want to hear a curation of highlights from his career? Okay. No, yeah, please do. Joe Esterhass, writer of Basic Instinct, writer of Sliver. Writer of Showgirls, writer Ooh. of an Alan Smithy film, oh, and God. the first person to win four Razzies for a single film. Okay, so that's why he came up. Oh, I well, I was uh, actually because I have I have a little note here. I have something that pulls um, Basic Instinct into this as well. Is um, yeah. Basic Instinct's cinematographer is um, Jan de Bont, who is yeah. a cinematographer on Shining Through. Wow! Um, yeah, I never connected that. Because I actually I looked him up while we were watching this because when we were when I was gushing about some of the scenes and some of the sets, he also was the man that directed Speed and he was a cinematographer on Die Hard. So I was like, yeah, there's there's a good credentials going through there. Um, yeah, but yeah, he also did Basic Instant. Wow, um, I have a little piece of trivia for you. So you know, like Joe Esterhass, arguably the most cursed behind the camera person in the history of the Razzies. Yeah. Do you want to know where it began? Lay it on me. Lay it on me. He co-wrote Fist or F-I-S-T. Do you know what that is? No. Um, is that Stallone, Fist, isn't it? Fist. He co-wrote Fist with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, and it was so another was... Jimmy Hoffa movie. Yeah, because Fist is <laughs> the first one post-Rocky. It's Stallone's post, first post-Rocky film. Yeah. Um, which I didn't watch after the Irish. <laughs> so I don't, <laughs> I don't know which way I'm on about. Um, but it, it it's lucky because it's pre-Razzie, so he managed to escape the nomination yeah. for then. But anyway, we'll be coming back to him with Showgirls and Alan Smithy, so looking forward to that. That concludes Joe Esterhass' talk for now. Back on, <laughs> yes. uh, back on topic with Kevin Costner in The Bodyguard as Frank Farmer. What do you think? Again, memory is far too hazy. Um, I'm not a Costner man, and we'll be coming to this when we get to the Postman episode. But yeah. uh, I'm just going to pass. I'm just going to... No comment. I hate Kevin Costner with a passion in Dances with Wolves and Robin Hood. I like him. I think he's kind of aged into gravitas with Man of Steel and Let Him Go. <laughs> but I, I, I'm not Kevin Costner's biggest fan. So I was expecting to go in, guns a-blazing. I was ready to take my shot at Kevin Costner in The Bodyguard, but I was kind of surprised I didn't want to pull the trigger. Like, oh. <laughs> I think I think there are other people that could have played the part better, but I don't think he's bad, necessarily. Yeah. 
That's fair enough. And then the winner. Let's wheel out Ooh. the polyphonic. Uh, <laughs> let's wheel out the polyphonic Eye of the Tiger once again. We have Sylvester Stallone in Stop or My Mom Will Shoot as Sergeant Joe Bomovsky. What? Is that his name in it? Um, <laughs> you could have said Bomovsky. Yeah. I had to believe, yeah, I had to believe anything. Um, again, I'm going to die on the Stallone Hill and we'll come to our Stallone special where I gush about him for two hours. But stop is the lowest point it's also like his worst performance up to this point as well because i mean he you're gonna love what i'm what i'm going to say but he doesn't have the schwarzenegger comedic timing down just yet well i i want to say is this the notorious film that's that arnie tricked him into doing that's i thought that was an urban myth yeah so for the listeners who aren't as like uh aren't as au fait with stallone schwarzenegger lore as uh, we are the the rumor is that arnie had his reps leak that he was interested in stop like stallone was in talks or whatever and arnie supposedly leaked that he was interested in it and stallone is like that's it no i have to do it and this is Arnie, like, psychological warfare, as we see him do in Pumping Iron. Like, Arnie's devious. Yeah. Arnie has yeah. a little finger politician streak to him. No wonder he became governor, because he has that kind of, like, Machiavellian uh, yeah. streak to him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he apparently, like, yeah, tricked Stallone um, into doing Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. And, uh, you know what, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the, the point is, it's... It's not his finest hour. It's worthy of a nomination and it's worthy of a winner as well. Um, so, objectively, it's it's terrible and rightfully so. Yeah, I have to, I have to admit it, and I, I don't like saying it, but yeah, Stallone deserves this one. This isn't a me screaming over cliffhanger situation. <laughs> this is he. Yeah, he's genuinely terrible, and you you can tell. There's almost a point where I don't even know. It's probably the first few scenes in and. You can tell he's been tricked into it almost because of the regret <laughs> and the it's somewhere in between phoning it in and not even phoning it in, just cashing your cashing out. But yeah, sorry Stallone, you deserve that one. I just want to savor that moment, like listener, you know, take your <laughs> bask in the glow of Kyle saying that Stallone is genuinely Ooh. terrible. Because I don't Wait, know no, if you're no, going to no, hear no, that no. ever again. In this one film. <laughs> he, he swings it back up. Cliffhanger's just right in the corner. It's all good. <laughs> okay, so, until we get so, to Rambo. Um, okay, so worst actress. We have Sean Young in Love Crimes. Have you seen that? I have not seen Love Crimes. Is this an erotic thriller? Um, No, I don't think so. It's a. Uh, it's like a... Oh, yeah, no. American thriller. about. <laughs> An assistant district attorney tries to seduce and apprehend a psychopath. I thought that said seduce and destroy for a second. Um, I watched that. <laughs> yeah, so um, then we have Whitney Houston in The Bodyguard. You're going you're gonna to play the I was five years old? I don't know. I, was young. I, I, I do remember Houston being under par, um, but I... Yeah. Like, my childhood, I'm giving it a pass. And she gets a pass just on my foggy memory. It, it's one of those ones where, like, you... Like, it, it's a tough... It's a tough part because you need um someone who's gonna... Like, she might not necessarily be the best at, um, at acting, but she does have that sort of, like, performer star charisma that you need for the part to work. Um, the biggest mm -hmm. issue, I would say, is that her and Costner just have zero chemistry, and we'll deal with that later on. So, Nom, certainly, but um, I don't know if she's not a clear winner. 
Then we have uh, Lorraine Bracco in Medicine Man and Traces of Red. Um, so, no, I mean, I, I know Lorraine Bracco through The Sopranos. Um, I, I assume Traces of Red is a erotic thriller. Medicine Man, I am not seen. I've heard of it. Well, You're um, going to like this. Traces of Red is James Belushi. Oh, Mr. James. James. Cool name, <laughs> Belushi. Um, <laughs> Oh, is an erotic thriller starring James Belushi? <laughs> because uh, that might be our next special. Um, but no, no, no. I know her as an actress, but unfortunately I've not seen either of these two films. Despite just hovering over Medicine Man sounding like one of the, the greatest things I've ever heard in my life. Um, maybe we should watch that instead. Uh, it's a John McTiernan film with Sean Connery. Yeah, I count me in. Um, but no, I've not um, seen either of those. Lorraine Bracco, I'm just trying to place this. She must have been enjoying a post Goodfellas bounce in '92, and then I reckon this double bill might have seen her in the doldrums until The Sopranos, perhaps. Yeah, but I mean, it must be because what's this '92 Sopranos '99 yeah. um, and Goodfellas '90. Yeah, so yeah, um, yeah. Then we have Kim Basinger in Cool World and Final Analysis as Hollywood and Heather Evans, respectively. So I can finally actually talk about one because I have seen Cool World. Um, that is the terrifying Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, yeah, Bakeshi or whatever Ralph. Ralph Bakshi. Yeah, That's the one. I'd yes. I'd never heard of Cool World, and then I was dating a comedian, and she introduced me to it, and it is I I love it. It's it's insane. It's a, a absolutely. Um, it's one of the a film I actually seen when I was younger at first as well. I think post you know seeing who framed roger rabbit and being terrified of it and yeah. um like just so confused. who is it for then, who is it, it for um and watching it back years later um and i was like oh yeah wait a minute brad pitt and things are in this is a weird 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 film yeah um, gabriel burns in it gabriel burn as well yeah it's such a weirdly cobbled together film um so i'm gonna i'm gonna give her a pass i don't think she's probably nominated worthy in it I think Cool World is missing from nominations, I think, based on its bizarreness. But yeah, I'm going to give her a pass here. Um, but if she's worthy on their other nomination, um, what is it? Final Analysis. That's yeah. the erotic film. Yeah, so maybe she deserves it for one, but not the other. Yeah, I, I, I agree that Cool World dodged a cartoon bullet in uh, avoiding more nominations. Because Kim Basinger, like, I don't know, it's hard to, like... Hollywood isn't a sort of like in-depth psychological part, so like I don't I I don't see how she sort of went wrong in playing that part. No, no, agree. Then we have the winner, Melanie Griffith in Shining Through and A Stranger Among Us. You've not seen Stranger Among Us? I have not. No, but I have seen okay. Shining Through. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, if you ask me that question in a week, I will probably have forgotten it, and I'll be like, "No, Shining <laughs> Through. What's that about?" Um, <laughs> We'll move on then. We're supporting yeah. actor. We have uh, Robert Duval in Newsies as Joseph Pulitzer. Oh my god! I thought he was like a made up, a made up person. I was like, oh, he talks about William Randall first. He's like a, he's like playing like Charles Foster Kane. Um, yeah. No, he's playing Pulitzer. Okay. <laughs> How is he in it? He's fine. Like he's, yeah. they've stuck some fake facial hair on him, but he's just kind of doing the Robert Duval performance. Like he's not. Yeah, he's he's okay. That's fair. No, that's absolutely fair. Then 
Mr. Daniel DeVito in Batman Returns as Oswald Cobblepot, a.k.a. The Penguin. So this is probably the first time in a couple of episodes where we've had a nomination that is so insane and so <laughs> ridiculous. And, uh, you know, this is this is strange. I mean, personally, I guess maybe other people have other opinions. I love DeVito as The Penguin. I love him in Batman yeah. Returns. I love, I love it. I think, I think it's unanimous to most people now. Maybe in 1992, reception was a bit frostier, um, but I don't think so. I think most people yeah. settled on it being so good. I thought some nerds were like, this doesn't have enough Batman in it. But otherwise, I thought everyone liked it. Well, they, um, I, see, that's exactly... I mean, and there's probably... Um, so I, I think the only thing I remember from, like, fans or nerds or whatever was... Um, the forums back Walken. in 92. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Christopher Walken basically just playing Christopher Walken and taking up yeah. airtime. You could have had two villains, you know, the sort of certain character plotting, but, I mean, Returns is my favourite Batman film, and I love DeVito in it. Um, He's so good, yeah. And, and it's one of these... It's, you know, in the nominations, it's standing out because there's no other nominations for the film. It's just the just veto, which is odd to me. Um, yeah, I just, I don't understand this. This is one of the weirdest nominations I think I've ever seen um, yeah. in any of the Razzies so far. So, yeah, do, do not understand it. It's puzzling. Um, this might be something, once we've seen the bigger picture maybe like the the razzies just had like uh sort of like vendetta against him off the basis of something else and they were like hey mm -hmm. guess what danny devito's made another film let's nominate him. well i mean that's kind of what i was thinking with the, the hoffa nominations um yeah which again isn't a film that from what i've seen didn't deserve to have this many nominations so maybe it's just a bit of devito biasness but or an agenda but it's it's fucking ridiculous that he's here and then we have, uh, this is a good year for The Godfather, we have Marlon Brando in Christopher Columbus The Discovery as Tomas de Torquemada. Oh, well said. Any recollection uh, of Brando? Yeah, no, like, I do actually remember a bit of Brando in it. Um, I think it's, um, he doesn't have this big a role as the billing would suggest. I mean, any, anyone's opinion on Brando post-80s, 70s, whenever you want to cut off point, anything after Apocalypse is always going to be a bit hit or miss. I... I I can understand it. Um, yeah, I do understand it. Then we have Alan Alda in Whispers in the Dark. Have you seen that? It's been, I haven't. Is that another heroic neo-noir thriller? It is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's about an, a Manhattan psychiatrist who okay. finds herself in the midst of a homicide investigation after one of her parents is mysteriously murdered. <laughs> okay. Um, so, no, I, I, um, I only know Alan Alda through M.A.S.H., I've never. I can't think of films <laughs> off the top of my head. You must have so, seen him. You'll have seen him in other stuff. I will. Um, but I never seen him in. I mean, obviously, I've seen him. I'm trying to think though, off the top of my head. Um, but I have not seen this film, so I'm not going to give him any. I'm not going to dunk on him too hard. Okay, and then we have Tom Selleck in Christopher Columbus: The Discovery as King Ferdinand of Spain. So double Which nomination year for Tom. Double, yeah, two noms. Um, to get nominated for worst actor and win for worst supporting actor, I, I assume Tom Selleck is coming off. Well, this is probably his heyday, right? This is post Magnum PI. This is probably the most exposure theatrical build films he's ever going to be in. Um, yeah. So then, I, I yeah, I can't really speak on Tom Selleck, the film actor, as much as television. So 
gonna just pass here. Okay, then we have Worst Supporting Actress, Sean Young, another double nomination year in Once Upon a Crime. So she was in Love Crimes for lead and she's in Once Upon a Crime for supporting. Have you seen that? Okay, I haven't. I mean, I, I know about it. It's Belushi as well, I think. Isn't it? Uh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Blue, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I know of it, but I've not watched it myself. Um, I think it's... Who else is in it? Um, another comedian in it. Richard Lewis, John Candy. John Candy, that's the one. So that's the only reason I know about it. But I've not seen it, so no comment. Jean Triplehorn in Basic Instinct. I don't think she's deserved. Uh, no, absolutely Basic not. Basic Instinct um, knows what it is. Everyone's singing yeah. from the same hymn sheet. Tracy Pollan in A Stranger Among Us. No comment. And Margaret in Newsies. No, she's she's fine. Yep. Estelle Getty, winner for Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, it's it's systematic of the film, isn't it? Like, um, I, I, I like Estelle Getty. I like the Golden Girls. I'm not going to jump on her head, but she, it's, it is awful. It's, it's, she's playing Estelle Getty as well. Like, it's, it's barely acting. Yeah, it's bad. Deserves it. And then on to worst director, Kenny Ortega for Newsies. Kenny Ortega has had a very weird career. He directed I was just the. To, sorry, I was just going to say the name rings a bell, but I can't think of High School Musical. Waited. I don't think that's Hocus what I Pocus. Know from. <laughs> um, Hocus, Hocus Pocus Two. Okay, that's what it would have been. Michael Jackson's um, This Is It. Okay, all I have seen that. So yeah, okay, that's what it would have been. Uh, I think it'll be Hocus Pocus. I'm thinking of, or, or This Is It. Uh, I'm sure there was something, but. Okay, it must be it. Um, no, he's not deserved for um, Newsies. Newsies. No, that's fair. I would say that he's kind of like, he's kind of like a, a poor man's Rob Marshall in terms of he just seems like he's good at doing those big musical set pieces, which is kind of a skill in itself. So mm-hmm. no, actually, he's kind of impressive in what he does in Newsies. And then we have Barry Levinson for Toys. Oh, yeah. Well, then that's the first time Toys has come up, which is what we were speaking about yeah. earlier. I mean, this this... Should have been a guaranteed nomination um, pretty much throughout. I mean, I would have been expecting a, a nomination even for uh, Robin for Worst Actor. Even if it's not deserved, I expected the nomination to be here. Um, yeah. Toys is a weird, weird, night- nightmarish film. Um, <laughs> it's it's a film I rented a, a couple of times as a kid on VHS. You know, expecting Mrs. Doubtfire, expecting fun. Um, expecting Toy Story as well, I think. You know, probably at that time. It is not. It is not that. So yeah, I'm, I'm surprised it's it's not popped up until now. Then we have John Glenn for Christopher Columbus: The Discovery. Um, so I'm gonna say no. I mean, I'm a a big John Glenn stan. He he does my favorite Bond films, um, the Timothy oh, Dalton okay. ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so oh yeah, there's a groan. Um, so I'm always gonna stand up for him. No man that can direct license to kill can be a bad man. So <laughs> yeah, I'll give him a pass. Um, Danny DeVito for Hoffa. Again, we've spoke. I've spoke about this before. I, I don't think it's warranted, but each oh, time. it was it was a David Mamet screenplay. That's interesting. And then we have David Seltzer for Shining Through, which we have covered. Where screenplay Shining Through screenplay by David Seltzer, as we have covered. Final analysis screenplay by Wesley Strick. Um, Christopher Columbus Discovery screenplay by John Brilly and Carrie Bates and Mario Puzo. So you'll have something oh, you well, want to say so about this, surely. Well, this is it. This is what we're saying. It's the Godfather connect. This is the year of Godfather cast-offs, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I genuinely <laughs> didn't know this. I didn't, I mean, I, I love Mario Puzo as an author as well. Um, 
I actually yeah. I adore the Godfather book. Um, I was going to say, are you not? Is this not one of the trademark Kyle contrarian takes? As you're like, you know what, the Godfather book's actually better than the film. I'm not going to say it, but if you want to infer it, actually the the sequel, The Sicilian, is better. Um, yeah. But no, I, I'm a big big fan of, especially the Godfather and the Sicilian are two. Um, especially the Sicilian, actually, I really like that. I'm a big a big Puzo Mark, a uh, big fan of him. I didn't know he did this. This is new to me, so um. Again, I'm just going to stick up for Christopher Columbus, the movie in general. Yeah, like, nothing, Puzo can't have his name on it. <laughs> um, then we have The Bodyguard, written by Lawrence Kasdan. Bodyguard, whatever faults it has, I actually think it's a good screenplay. Like, I think it's a compelling, okay. like, it's not, like, it's it's maybe, like, a little bit, like, sort of, like, fluffy B-movie, but, like, I think that's a good, I think that's a good sort of engine for a film. I like it. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's absolutely fair enough. Um, um, then, yeah. then the winner, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, written by Blake Schneider, William Osborne, and William Davies. Yes. Um, yeah, again, this is this is a deserved win. It's it's crazy to think three writers did this movie as well. I can only imagine it was just pa- finished off by other people, you know, passed on, and maybe an Alan Smithy almost deal. But yeah, yeah, it deserves it. Again, it could sweep everything, so it deserves it. And then I guess we did have a um, throwaway reference earlier on, but this is my opportunity for um, Paul Thomas Anderson talk. Worst new star, we have Sharon Stone's tribute to Theodore Cleaver. I did three beavers. Leave it to Beaver. Three beavers Um, in Basic Instinct. Okay, whatever. Mm. Hack joke. Um, Whitney Houston in The Bodyguard. Mm. Um, I mean, if it's, I, I, it's it's strange because maybe should maybe it's it's warranted a little bit, but it's also a film that did help propel even bigger stardom as well. I mean, this is a global phenomenon, the movie and soundtrack, obviously. So eh, I'm gonna give her a pass, I guess. Yeah, I think it's fine in that she's like a crossover star. She's not a child. So like in terms of meeting our criteria for the category, she at least qualifies. And then it's just whether yes. you think she deserves it. Yes. So whatever. From like from one bodyguard nomination to another, we have Kevin Costner's crew cut in the bodyguard, which I don't know. This is just someone wanting, I don't know, before Twitter, if you wanted to make a joke, then you needed to make up an entire like bad movie award ceremony and run yeah. it for like three decades. Um, <laughs> it's just I don't know. It's not that. It's not. Yeah. Um, no, that's it's fucking it's cringe. Like, and I don't even want to say that word, but it is. It's, <laughs> it it this is what my problem where you you can't make your joke ceremonies into a joke. Yeah. No. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> I, I get I get what they mean in that it doesn't suit him and that's where I'm like I don't like I don't think Clint Eastwood would have been better at the bodyguard, but you do need someone who is just a bit more like stick up their ass. Like Costner yeah. is stick up his ass, but not in the right way. Then we have George's Cora face in Christopher Columbus as Christopher Columbus. Um So I'm getting I'm I'm abstaining after I've been doing throughout this whole film. Um <laughs> I know him from one film, Escape from LA, I think. Okay. Carpenter's 90s. I, I mean, yeah, that's 96, so that must be after this. That's the only thing I can... It's the only name I remember, um, so no comment. Well, he hasn't done much American cinema. He he basically see, seems like the Greek Mark Rylance or uh, the yeah, French yeah. Mark Rylance 
and that he's a French actor of Greek descent who predominantly did theatre and sort of French cinema. Hey, well, um, have you got him open there just now on your end? I did have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, was he an escape from LA or did I make He was, up? yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's like, Good. this too big. <laughs> okay, okay, well, okay. Well, from one true artist to another, we have possibly the like most locked-in nomination in Razzie history, Worst New Star, Polly Shore in Encino Man as Stanley Stoney Brown. He resolved to freeze the weasel. So, yes. I mean, we... We haven't really spoke about Polly, have we? Um, no. I mean, so it's a common consensus now in the world, isn't it? But like, no one likes Polly Shore. Um, not even Polly Shore. Uh, so I, 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 I have seen Encino Man um, years and years and years back. I think at the height of the Brandon Fraser, George of the Jungle time, you know, where I'm seeing yeah. everything, everything that he's in, pre-mummy, just he's in everything airheads and stuff like that so i i remember this film i, I remember this film more without polish Shore though as well so really he's all over I, it i know i know but like it's not what i remember i remember brendan fraser being good for defrosted you or whatever <laughs> yeah i know i remember i remember the basic plot of it it's good for like you for mentally <laughs> salvaging encino man from like just like like sort of like i don't know like cutting polish Shore from the movie yeah, and just maybe, lifting maybe him I'm, out I, I had a great director's cut, the Alan Smith cut, just <laughs> edited him out yeah. or something. But I have, I've had experiences since with Bobby Shore, let's say, and yeah, he's, he deserves his worst new star because he's going to stink up the next four films he's in and waste a lot of money by doing them. So yeah, like in terms of being a worst new star, breaking through, yeah. Uh, it's, this is an actual deserved winner for me. Well, it is also, as we said, it meets the criteria of it's a crossover thing of like he was famous as like a personality TV, like whatever yeah, MTV, MTV isn't guy. It or something, yeah. yeah, so it's not as if he came from nowhere. And yeah. he's so annoying. Like, I, I <laughs> honestly, like, he kind of makes like Rob Schneider, like, Rob Schneider kind of seems like Brando next to Polly Shore. I'm like, oh, you know what? Rob Schneider, at least he doesn't like do that sort of weird mouse thing that Polly Shore I mean, does. And the I, buddy. Oh. I think uh, I think Offset, I'd rather hang out with Polly Shore. I think he can turn oh, for it sure, off more yeah. than Schneider. On set, yeah. I, I, I would fucking knock him out. I would be furious <laughs> with him. Um, yeah, I would take th- you can do it over <laughs> buddy I, I can't even do the lip thing he does you know I'm not yeah. the weasel I can't do it um, but yeah no Paul, Paulie deserves this one it just I need to watch Futurama again just to detox so I can see him being tortured <laughs> yeah. and then our final category worst original song Queen of the Night from The Bodyguard it's it's not it's not the one song I know from the soundtrack, so no comment. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's kind of good, whatever. Book of Days from Far and Away, music by Enya, lyrics by Roma Ray. Oh, I've I've not seen Far and Away, and that's just popped up now in the nominations. So late yeah. in the game. Um, yeah. So no, I have no comment. I don't even know what this movie is either. Far and Away is the Irish one with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Oh. Of course. Okay. Yes. Of course. Yes. Never mind. Never mind. I do know about it. <laughs> and then High Times, Hard Times from Newsies. Um, music by Alan Menken, lyrics by Jack Feldman. So this was another um, Razzie first, or this was this was the first Razzie first where Menken won a Razzie and an Oscar in the same year because he won Whole okay. New World for Aladdin while also picking up Worst Song. 
Oh, so that's, so we got our first this month uh, for this week's audio. That's yeah. um okay. No, I can't remember any individual song from Newsies, but they're all kind of okay. And interestingly, by this point in time, they have ditched score, which you singled out for praise and shining through. But I actually thought the score was kind of annoying. Like, to the extent that when I watched the first two minutes again at the start, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, the score again. Right, um, so, no, like, and I, I didn't praise it. If you go, when you listen back, um, I, I, <laughs> fitting for its time, I think is what I said. Um, yeah, true. It, it, for, for a film of this period, of what it is of a period piece, it's, it's trying to be a sweeping Hollywood 40s score also have to give me a break because we just watched yeah. morbius which didn't have a score to me and just had for two yeah. hours so it's <laughs> nice to hear actual composed yeah. music and i get that james bond connection with michael came in as well so well that concludes this episode and we have shone through for the past two hours <laughs> so i hope you have enjoyed listening to us yes. if you want to get in touch with us then please send us an email at watching at gmail.com you can let us know if you um, have seen this film, if you enjoyed it, if you didn't enjoy it, if you want to join the uh, legendary Sunflower fan club. And you can also follow us on social media where we are watching Worst on every single platform you can think of. And if you want to leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice, that would be very helpful and would help more people find the show. Absolutely. Spread the word of shining through. <laughs> <laughs> Next week. Next week. Where are we going now? We're going to be heading to 2005 for some Dirty Love. Can't wait. Do you know anything about Dirty Love? I'm going completely blind in back-to-back films. Didn't know existed. So, yeah. Yeah. New one for me. You? Um, I didn't. I just Googled it to get the year. And <laughs> I saw that just on its Wikipedia page, it says that it made $36,000 at the box office. So... On that basis, I am absolutely dreading this film. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the runtime, though. We'll be fine. <laughs> so, join us next week for a film which probably had a, um, probably made about, uh, what, $100 for every minute of its runtime. <laughs> Excellent. Look forward to seeing you all guys then. Thanks for listening. Bye.